Welcome to the Respectfully Podcast. I'm Lily Cox. And I'm Nikki Pope. And this week we're talking about promoting colour through collections, salons and to your clients. We have two guests with us. Our first guest this week is one of British Hairdressing's creative leaders, a winner of numerous British Hairdressing Awards, probably five or six I think. We're delighted to have Darren Ambrose. Hello, guys. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Darren works with his wife, Jackie, yes. and runs D&J Ambrose in the West London area. Yeah. And is also a global ambassador for Weller Professionals, which I know takes you on many, many travels around the world. Vast mm, travels. Yeah. Welcome. Luckily, so. And joining Darren, we welcome the global head of technical training for Fudge Professional, Tracy Hayes. Hello. Working tirelessly to merge world-class colouring techniques with sharp fashion Tracy's daily schedule is as eclectic as it is hectic. From creating bespoke looks on an exclusive clientele to educating in international academies and shooting hair collections, she's got it all going on. Welcome both of you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. So if we think about um, promoting colour in collections, let's kick that off. Darren, you always use beautiful colour in your collections, so talk to us a little bit about that. Um, well, for me, really, to start with, if I'm if I'm creating a collection, say like for the mm-hmm. awards or if I'm doing anything to yeah. do with a company, it would start with sketching. I always sketch everything. Okay. And when I sketch, I use acrylics. So I go back to art, like at school, like mm-hmm. when you were doing those kind of things. I just find paint is a really great way to express colour palettes. And sometimes you get the overlap of colours. With watercolour and acrylics, you get this merge and an unusual tone appears which can be very inspirational Mm. then it would go down to the sketch and what you're going to visualize and how you're going to create it and then for me it's down to the model that I pick the face skin tone and then color tone that really kind of brings out the individual persona of that girl or guy um, whatever it may be but I think it's really important to tap into everything when you're creating that i.e. also like textiles, uh, they give you great inspiration for colour. Um, and so that everything has a has a place within the picture. So and you create like a mood board yeah. with fabrics and textures yes, as exactly. well as colours? Yeah, exactly. It's never just about, it's really funny actually, because it's never just about the hair. Mm-hmm. Uh, quite often, I mean, uh, for me and Jackie, it's always quite often about the garments too. It's about the textiles, about the fabrics, as I say, the overlays and what happens when you mix things together. Um, and I know what, like uh, Gucci did it ages ago and it's all this eclectic prints and, mm. you know, leathers and silks and all that stuff. But you get like great reflection from that, which can mimic colour in hair where you get facets like voil overlaying, undertones, light bands, shines, all that sort of stuff. So it's always um, connected to all of that, that when you so then create the picture, global yeah, a global look s- at the mood and the yeah, exactly. the end result that you want to get exactly. But most importantly, I think when you tap into that too, is that it's as I said, suiting the tone of the model, the skin tone. So, what's your starting point then, Tracy? So, Darren starts almost as a fashion illustrator, I guess. Mm. I find that fascinating actually listening to you talk about that. Um, you know, it's really quite inspiring. Um, I've always taken a lot of inspiration. Um, I'd say my main things are art. I love all my art, the galleries, um, and travel. Um, I think both Darren and myself, we've been very privileged 
in our career that we've been able to travel around the world and so I love seeing different cultures mm. and how varied they are from country to country so that always inspires me um, but I think for me um, with the job I'm doing now I love pulling people in around me and working with teams um, mm. and I find that is so inspiring yeah. um, you know to get heads around the table discussing pooling ideas um, so you um, start with a conversation, yeah, really, Yeah, com- I think a conversation. Um, I just love being part of a creative team. Um, and I think it's all about sharing. Mm-hmm. You know, I think through the career, I've often seen people that maybe have isolated themselves and they're yeah. the ones that will come a little bit stagnant. Totally. Um, whereas within a team, um, and you've got a great team behind you, mm. Darren, so, um, you know, it evolves, I think, from that. And that's where the excitement can start and then ideas yeah. you should always be open to listen shouldn't you yes. and I think the t- I think that's a really valid point I think the team's you know it's a collaboration it's so important that you feel it together but sometimes if you don't listen and you've got that isolation and you're somebody that maybe has an ego you end up missing the point and then you don't get that perfect no collection. and then the team will go yeah on exactly. without you yeah. um, and also I think you know in whatever area you're in people other hairdressers or even your clients they will sense that you've got this great atmosphere and mm. people sharing so mm. although I've not been in worked in a salon for a while if you're doing something you're a little bit excited about I'd always pull some of the other staff members up you know to get their input and I think it makes the client feel a little bit mm. special a bit excited like oh no, they're, they're all discussing my hair or should we take it a bit lighter around the face what do you think and I think that creates a buzz on the salon floor, yeah, yeah, yeah. makes the client feel a little bit special. And also, if you're a senior member involving younger members of your mm. your staff, they get a little bit of a sense of achievement that they're part of the whole process too. Mm. When it comes to colour trends, where do you both start? Do you look at, do you think colour trends in hair are driven by the catwalk shows? That's where the media would suggest it starts, but does it really? Or do, is it driven by the well, brand? Can I say creating? something really naughty here? Yeah, I hate the word colour trend. <laughs> really. <laughs> um, I don't that? know about you, but when thought, what's the colour trend? I'm like, oh no. Um, I like mm. to think it's all about the individuality, and there's so many different pockets um, that you could make a trend for anybody. Yeah. You know? Mm. Um, so, I mean, that's maybe quite controversial. Because I know the industry loves the trend. Well, it's not controversial at but, all. But you know the it's industry. A good, it's a point. Yeah, it's a good point. Um, yeah, industry yeah, does like a yeah. trend. Is I it? think yeah. we maybe we muddle the word cr- trend with craze because I think you know there was a big interest <clears throat> in the pastel, the pink hair, the grey yes. hair that then yes. travelled to pink and then arguably green. Yeah, I mean I suspect that that is quite a niche pocket of people clients. That would actually really go that way or an age thing yeah else. I think it depends on your I think in business it depends on actually where you're based and what you pull in and what you attract obviously love what you just okay. said I think yeah. your clientele will have anything you basically want them to have because there was that saying that when when somebody's sitting in front of you if you're a positive character and you're knowledgeable as a hairdresser you could basically get anyone to have anything mm. you know once they get the trust in you you can create different visuals for them mm. as an individual persona. And we have that in the company, like people that have been with us for so many years and 
you know, they have so many changes. You know, one minute they, they'll bleach their hair out to cleanse the turn and then they'll go a different turn and then mm. they want to go dark and blah, blah, blah. So great for business um, and great for kind of pushing it out there. And it just depends on what you are as a, as a character. But as far as colour trends, I think exactly what you said um, with the fact that it's an individual persona. I think they come in and you you work them in the business. Mm-hmm. When they come into the business, you work them as a, as a client, as they look and as they dress and as they sound and what they speak to you as, you know, or about. And then you think then very quickly what would suit them mm. for their lifestyle. And I think as well for a, a client also, they'll often ask, oh, you know, what is the latest trend? They want, and they want to have maybe a little part of that. And I think it only takes a big celebrity suddenly they go copper red so you know that will Mm. become a trend it's all in the newspapers you know Mm. so-and-so's got new color but you can easily take a little part of that so you know your client isn't going to suit or doesn't want to live at whole head copper red but you can put a tiny bit of that through there somewhere hidden Mm. so they feel personalized so they feel that they are part of the trend and they are feeling a little bit special Mm. um and you know, working with the shapes that you were mentioning, whether it's a triangle or a circle, you take that triangular shape through the underneath part in, and they've got that slight you know flicker of copper red in there. Mm. So you can bring a little part, you know, you can tame it down. I, th- I think suit. consumer definitely for a celebrity, but also like Instagrams and our social media now is massive trend forecasting. Yeah. You know, people follow those big time, which is amazing. Um, and you'll always get those ones that want to have it like what they see like you were saying like the the pinks the rainbow hair all that sort of stuff there's mm-hmm. big trends and it kicks in um but then people also now i think quickly want to move on because pace of society is so fast they have it and then think okay i've done that what's next yeah it's, it's moving somewhere else too quickly and it's like very quick you yeah. know not always understandably well you can't actually do that in one go it's going to take a few yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah a few, few sessions yeah a few sessions you know to keep your condition you know, it's all it's, it's about education. I think as well, more so now, clients really appreciate that they can keep their hair in much better condition with colour um, and changing because of the, the quality of products that are yeah, out there. The innovations in colour um, products has helped. Yeah. You know, when you think about it years ago, you would never see long-haired bleached girls that were pastel or, you know, you wouldn't have it. It'd be short hair. Um, whereas now, you know, you can keep your hair in so much. So I think you know your models and your clients are much more educated as mm. to looking after the hair to keep their color looking fabulous yeah. as well so it makes it more easy mm. i was just going to say feeding into the what you said tracy about um disliking the word trend i think it's interesting because we've noticed especially on the media side how many of the brands at the moment are going down the bespoke really personalized road i suppose and that kind of feeds into that doesn't it that people don't necessarily want a trend they want part of that trend yeah. for they themselves. They want possibility. They yeah, want they possibility, want possibility and they than, want yeah. you know flexibility. A, a flexibility. Yeah. So they've got they know what the trend is, but as you say, maybe it is copper red and they just want a hidden panel or something like that. So it's their own version mm. of the trend mm. rather than being told mm. that it should be this or it should be rose gold or it should be mm. 
whatever is that colour for that season. And also, not all those colours are going to be suitable for that client anyway exactly. as a whole head. But, you know, so it can't be, well, you can't have that, so you can't be trendy. You, you do you know what I mean? So it is yeah. taking a little bit of something. I think it's the fear of people being cloned or um, directed too much. You know, they want to have their own freedom. It's my choice. Yeah. Um, yeah. And feel comfortable with that, yeah. you know? Mm. So mm. How helpful is a colour collection or a collection that features uh, noticeable or strong colour work in it how helpful is that in growing a clientele or in education I think in in the ideal world this is the ideal world mm-hmm. that if a company um, it, they would have two collections they would have one that would be totally inspiring for the hairdresser to motivate they could like see something completely out there um it could take six hours to achieve that color technique because it is so clever but for the hairdresser they've achieved something for them and it's absolutely stunning great for the instagram but it wouldn't necessarily bring that client into the door but it would really raise their profile because it was you know it was amazing then you'd have the second collection that was absolutely stunning, beautiful colour work, cutting work that would be a bit more approachable for that client. Yeah. Walking along, have, seeing that picture yeah. in the window, I want that. Mm-hmm. And it would be affordable because it's not taking six hours plus, you know, or, or however long. So that's the ideal world. Marry the two together, you can tone one down a little bit and up the other one. Mm. You can find somewhere sort of in the middle so I think you know for the hairdresser we were talking Darren and I were talking earlier um I think hairdressers can sometimes be a little bit selfish because they're doing the work that they want to do and show off themselves and it is you know very clever and very precise precision cutting and coloring but it might not necessarily be what you know is going to bring the money through the door Mm. yeah you can't really imagine it in the salon window it's funny actually because I think from a from the business point of view I know with mine um exactly what you said uh we've got a we've got about four four or five uh lcd like big screens that we play um fashion shows um runway shows education like a whole mix so there's consumer um friendly editorial hair Mm -hmm. And then there's something there for the extremist. And then there's something there for the education. And I can't tell you how many clients say all the time, oh my God, I love that video. I love that show. Like, when did you do that? They're really interested. Mm, no, and I think if it, but it's exactly what yeah. you said. You have to touch on everything to suit everybody. Not one, you can't attract one type into the company. It's got to fit a, a diverse uh, spread out of, of mm-hmm. uh, personality. Um, and then you can tap into everybody. So for us, the staff are buzzed up because of what they've created and what they're, what they're doing and what they're seeing. And also the clients are doing it too. And we've also had around reception on one huge wall. It's a massive um, blow up of an editorial girl where you can really just barely actually see the hair. It's more about the beautiful face and the mm-hmm. screen sits in the middle. And then on the other side is a gallery. So there's all pictures that people use for reference, for colour, for whatever. So it's actually more of a, maybe a hub, a visual hub 
so they can no but I think that's all about with Instagram social media everything is visual yeah isn't it exactly so um you know especially with the younger you know the younger clientele the younger people out there they want to see something instantly and that's it yeah Yeah. that's it it's fantastic having that shop window but um I suppose the downside that we need to be aware of, it's it's tackleable, if that's if that's a word, is that Instagram can misrepresent colour and the mm. idea that you can change your colour in an instant. And people like the Kardashians who would appear to change their colour very regularly. Mm. Is that a difficulty or trying to tackle client expectations? You know, somebody coming in and expecting to be able to book no, in for one appointment and change, or is it not really? No, it's consultation. Not, yeah, exactly. I was just going to say, it's not difficult. It's just about your communication. Like, it's, it is the consultation and then the communication of the, you know, if they're going to be a base, I don't know, three, like, which is very dark, obviously, and, and you're trying to lift it up to a platinum, you know, it's going to take maybe a couple of sessions to get there, whatever. Um, especially if there's history on the hair. So it's just about that um, connection and telling them a fair um, decision of how they you can get to that, but it's going to be this and we can't compromise the condition, blah, 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 and all that stuff. But it was like you were saying um, uh, earlier, you know, the products now are just phenomenal. You know, what's mm. what's in there? I mean, when you go back to the 80s and we were using 60 vol and it was smoking... I mean, it's absolutely <laughs> horrific. Yeah. Honest to God. Honest to God, right? When you're training and you used to have something called CTP, uh, TCP, and, or no, CCP or something, and citric acid, you put it in to contract the hair. So if you had any kind of elasticity stretch, you'd whack it on, on it'd go. go. I mean, we were all just oh, trained yeah. as juniors to kind of keep yeah. putting this stuff on. Now... I remember, yeah, 60 volts would be in a tinting cupboard. You don't yeah. ever see it now. I mean, it was... Well, I think it's illegal, isn't it? It's just horrific. <laughs> Brilliant. You're both very big um, assets for the companies that you work with, whoever it is at the time. Thank you. As colour ambassadors and <laughs> as promoters. How is it different if you get a brief from a colour company to say, right, Tracy, or right down, we're going to do a shoot for this and we particularly want to... Does that make you work in a different way when they say, right, we've just created reds or metallics or or are you so involved in the process? Well, for myself, it... I'm very much involved in the colours because I work with the factory that makes them and I, right. I look at what I think is missing in our range. So you don't get something given to you and say, right, now create, no, you I will have been there I from the beginning. I decide what I want to have put in my hand um, a little bit. Um, so for the shoot that we've just done it's obviously relaunching all the new colors early next year um so i was very much part of the process so i was really excited i knew exactly what i was looking for so i could tick all the boxes um so yeah that has been a really nice exciting process for me i have worked on the other side of it in previous years when i've been told this is what we're doing but you have to understand that side of the market too so you all work to what they need to be focused on yeah you know yeah. so you you know you're all in that mm. sort of process no it's, yes exactly I was, yeah. I for uh, like global campaigns i think if you've got a color story you have so many meetings beforehand you feel part of it totally part of it you're never put in a position where mm. they just plop it on the table and say right okay now I want you to create something so you'd have like been this. past the story much earlier totally yeah. past the story yeah and then, so you can get a vibe of it and I think what they quite often want they need their vehicle for marketing and to put out to what they feel 
but they like to have that uh, creativity or inspiration from the hairdresser to be infused so you get the best of both you know so you get the little bit of originality and then obviously yeah. it's a collaboration it's like what we were saying it's all about working as a team you have to be and very listening. open and listen and yeah. listening to make sure that what is going to be the launch actually it all fits together mm. rather than it's two things launching it's like well dear how are we going to work that <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that you know so you know so it's again collaboration right from the beginning so you get this beautiful package and it happens all over it's like if I've worked on fashion week before um, styling the hair the designer thinks of colour that would go with the garment you have to be very open and listen and you know I quite understand everything quite quickly mm-hmm. to a degree yeah. to get to make them happy and for you to feel satisfied with what you're producing but then as the final look is is um you know complete that you can push out there and sell it yeah um, so I you're taking a brief but not selling your soul no to do it, you know, yeah 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 yeah. Okay. yeah well i think I, you just have to be i think in those circumstances like we were talking about earlier you have to be very open and not um it's not about yourself it's not about you. You take yourself out of the equation. It's about creating something beautiful that you can sell to consumer to across the board globally. Because what often they go obviously oh, global absolutely. that they have to touch everybody. You mm-hmm. can't think about going into those sort of things with yes, but I need my brand to be yeah. in there signature wise. It's mm-hmm. just and you know you've got to go yeah. away from that. And I think it's about what you do as well. What I've learned. Um, with my role with Fudge, because it is global, different markets want different things, mm. and they can be quite different things. So yeah. again, it's yeah. it's compromising a little bit. So, okay, we're having four looks, but this one, the Australian market are going to absolutely love. You know, because mm. it's you know we're very big in Australia. This one, mm. the Italians are going to love this one because mm. it's a bit more fiery. Mm. So, mm. you know, you've got that thing to sort of bring into it as I well. I think we were saying before, I know with the, some of the stuff I've done with Weller as well, they um, tick in the boxes because of that reason. Yeah. You know, you have got so much to do on the shoot weeks, you know, yeah. like a week that you're creating this global campaign that you do have to because some countries, you know, they've got their movement and quite understandably so, they're taking their fashion inspirations from from. Um, what's around them and it yeah. could be so different to and us hair in types London. must come into play hair types very you different. Know, in the Asian market must make that a different prospect working exactly with Brazilian yeah. and also their palette tone you know their tones of palettes they're, they're not great they haven't got a vast array of, of tones so they're subjected to a much more limited array of colour so therefore what you produce for them is they're going to put it as a, as a campaign mm. uh, and as a visual you have to bear that in mind yeah. You know, so otherwise they're not going to be able to get their hands on it. No. So it's a bit of everything, really. You've got to, yeah. you know, look out for all of that. Is there advice for people who are working with colour when they're doing a photographic collection that they need to remember? Something with the lighting or doing mm. it a bit stronger because it shows a bit less on print? Is there something that... I think it depends what colours they're doing. Like if you were doing reds, for example, that's where you can get fabulous shine you know, will really reflect um, light. So obviously you might want to be thinking about lighting, what tone, reds, tonal, what works with what. Um, again, it's down to the haircut and the finish, whether you're going for textured looks. It's what, are they trying to sell the colour or are they trying to sell the 
cut, you know, the total look. Um, I always think it's a good idea if you have one model to do two looks on that model. So if you've got one, you're sleek, swishy, shiny, then you've got your second look that is maybe more textured, a bit yeah. more mad. Yeah, showing how it So you've change. got two looks for one model. So you've got that one, you know, you've got one for your consumer, one for your press or something yeah. like that. Something that yeah. So again, it's going down to where we first very started when we were talking, Darren was talking about a mood board or with your textiles. That is from your initial mood board. So it's planned. Mm. It's planned. What's the most difficult colour to show well on film? Uh, I think pastels are quite difficult. I think going on the the air of shooting, if you're investing in a in in a photographic shoot, is key to have a chat with a photographer that will light it in the correct way. Because if you're using global palettes, and it's a vibrant red like we've spoken mm. about, or even if it's jet black, which doesn't bounce off light and can look dense and very shadowy. The lighting has to be absolutely perfect for that colour mm. to show its true essence of beauty. If the, if the photographer doesn't get that right, then that can be a nightmare. I always think as well when you're shooting it, if you've got the girl in front or the guy in front of the camera, you must always personally look down the lens because you'll see something different. If you're working with global um, tonal colours, like heavy tone, then you may have to adjust slightly or put shadows in or put something in to make the colour move or pop, uh, like with the light reflection. If you're using pastels, um, I think you would have to sometimes slightly deepen your pastel to get the right shade in the actual shot itself, unless your photographer can light it in a way that there's still tone in there. Because if it's on top of a bleach, and you're doing a beautiful, I don't know, lilac or the pale pinks or whatever it is, or blues or greens, they can quite often blow out big time. You know, like you'll lose the tone and it just becomes a real major hint. And then what some people feel is they need to be putting that in after post, you know, afterwards in post, which is what's actually a shame because you're interfering with then the true colour palette and the colour tone itself. So... Absolutely, you, it upsets me so much. It's it? true, like, though. When right? I look at something, I'm like, that is it's so, so. It's so done. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. it's reto- It's fake. So it's, it's not actually, the real hair. It's not helpful. Yeah, it is remembering that you've got to mm. talk to the photographer because they are the key essence of what how what's going to come back. So in a salon environment, then Darren, if you've got your colorists up to certain levels of qualification, how do you then promote that out to your clients to build your business that way yeah it's a good point if you're not doing um shoot yourself or investing in that area yeah that's not you for your company Mm -hmm. um there are loads of things that product companies do i know well i do you know color experts and masters and there's loads of um exams that you can take that will bring you up to a higher level which naturally you can then promote them at a higher price for business Um, which is great because they've got the expertise. When it comes to that, sometimes if it's contained in a salon, um, only the existing clientele would know about it. Mm -hmm. So therefore it becomes almost like a dead-end investment. You know, it's not good for business. Do you get... Sorry. No, I was going to say, so what happens then is if you've got a PR Mm -hmm. or if you've got somebody within your company that deals with um, situations like that, correspondence, 
or yourselves get in touch with the local newspapers, get in touch with local magazines, get in touch with media, um, like with you guys, do you know what I mean? Anything that would promote and push it out there from, from that extent. There's also, um, you know, even in your area, if you go out and you, you're handing out, I don't know, to promote business, if you're handing out cards or finding models or whatever, you know, what you hand out should be a visual of coloration or showing an image or whatever. Mm-hmm. Going back to would be the, obviously also your staff that would promote it. People are walking past. If it's a window shot, I mean, I can't tell you how many people look in the window, but if they catch an eye on something, it draws them in. And sometimes you have people stand there for ages just watching a haircut. <laughs> but that, I've been told, draws people in. They survey it slightly. I was going to say, do you feel that, you know, you were talking about um, programmes that Weller have and Fudge have similar and and a lot of the big brands do. Do you feel like the clientele understand that? Obviously, as a colourist, having those qualifications means their prices can go up. But do you feel like your clients understand those things? I think if the person's taken a a course, whether Mm -hmm. it's creative or masterclass, they should be excited about it. One, because their salon has invested in them and given them the time out and spent the money on that course. So they should be bringing that back to the chair. They should be showing their excitement, talking about it. You know, I've just been away, you know, I had two mm-hmm. days and it's been amazing. And so that would feed back to the client that they're excited. Um, you know, and I think the salon would only be investing in people that they know are going to enjoy it and bring that back to the salon. Great. Well, I feel really enthusiastic about promoting colour and I'm not even a colourist <laughs> thank you very much guys that's been great to have this chat today thank you very much Tracy Hayes thank pleasure you very much, Darren I've really enjoyed it thank you so as ever thank you to everyone who listened to our respectfully podcast on promoting colour I think there was a lot in there and thank you to our fabulous guests Darren Ambrose and Tracy Hayes for their time and their advice and their views I'm Nikki Pope and together with Lily Cox we've prepared some show notes for you on this week's topic of colour. Please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to us on iTunes and if you'd like to join in the conversation you can email us at info at ihaa.co.uk. We'd love to hear from you. Tune in again soon. Until then, goodbye. Goodbye.